I'm a big fan of acquiring websites. Talk to me about your portfolio. Overall, it's worth around 1.5 uh, mil. Bought three websites for 125 grand. And now, like a few months later, they're pretty much double. Put so SEO is not dying, right? No, it's, oh, okay, it's definitely going to continue. <laughs> it comes down to like time and consistency, like most things in life. James Oliver. Yeah. Welcome to the SEO Wisdom Podcast. How are you, mate? Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Very well. Yeah. Uh, lovely setup you've got here. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. I mean, this is the first time we're doing in-person podcasts, so I think I prefer this more than doing it on the Zoom. Makes it a little bit easier and better, doesn't it? Yeah. Face-to-face. -face. Yeah. So, yeah, mate, tell a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I started SEO maybe six years ago, maybe a bit longer than six years, and then just started for myself, building niche websites, all affiliate marketing, blogging. Uh, so six years ago would be 2000, before Corona, whereas? Yeah, before Corona. Corona was actually really good for me for building businesses because everyone's like stuck inside. So that's kind of where it escalated to the, to the next level for me. So Corona was really good. Uh, but yeah, it started before Corona, yeah. So what was the transition phase from, you know, whatever you were doing six years ago to SEO? So I was, uh, I was pretending to be an electrician basically in Australia. Okay. Uh, and I had to leave Australia because I was there for like three and a half years. So like I had to move back to the UK and I was like, what am I going to do? Uh, so I went traveling, I went to like Thailand and Vietnam and stuff like that. And then just Googling around, like looking on YouTube and then like the blogging SEO sort of thing came up. And I built a website even before that, maybe like two or three years before that period. And I earned like $2.14 from AdSense with like just like five posts. Like I didn't even have a clue what it was. Uh, so I kind of knew. That's the best feeling, earning oh, your first dollar online. So good. Right. It's, it's, it's one of those things. As soon as you start earning a bit of money online, you, you realize it's possible. You can actually make money online. It is a thing. Uh, but yeah, that was a kind of first leap into it. Okay. And... Yeah, I've been following your Twitter for a while. Um, I'm really surprised by how good your content is. And yeah, you mentioned you buying Oliver.com, which is yeah. quite a premium name. Yeah. How did you get that? Uh, Oliver.com was, it's insane to be honest with you, how I managed to get it. So I wanted to start basically telling people, showing people what I've been doing and doing having my own website. And I never really had had that. So I was looking for like james.com, oliver.com, James S. Oliver, like everything was pretty much taken. And then I just reached out to the person who owned oliver.com. And then it was a bit of back and forth and it took maybe a few months of back and forth and then like a couple of months in between. And then he just got back to me randomly saying, yeah, you can have it. So yeah, it was crazy. But what would you say like buying oliver.com, what was the main thing that in the back and forth communication that got the person to just give you, give you the domain? It was very it was very straightforward and just honest with that. And I kind of basically said, it's it's my last name. You can see, see it's my name. Like I want it for personal branding reasons, like to actually use the website rather than like sell it on or make a quick book sort of thing. So I think that's kind of what got me the website. And I managed to get it for five figures, which is incredibly yeah, low for a, a single word. Crazy though, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was, it was probably the best investment I've done so far. So yeah, it was really good. 
Yeah, I checked Oliver.com a few days ago. It looks like a bit of a stoic site, you know. Yeah, like, that's nothing on it. Just you know, just <laughs> yeah. newsletter sign up. That's pretty much it. So like, because I'm busy with the portfolio sites, I've not really had time to start putting my own content out there and do stuff like that. So I'm just doing the newsletter at the moment, and then just weekly, just kind of giving advice that way. And then eventually, I'm going to turn it more into the proper blog post and turn it into like a backlinko sort of resource for people to go to. Yeah. That's the goal anyway. Awesome. Talk to me about your portfolio of sites. I heard, you know, off camera, how many niches you're in and all this portfolio of uh, seven figure portfolio you have, like what sorts of niches, what's the main site if you want to express like yeah, yeah. to audience. So overall it's worth around 1.5 uh, mil like USD. Oh, okay. So quite a bit, like what is that, between like 30, 40x, around 40x uh, multiple. Uh, so they're doing quite well. And then niches, I mean, pretty much everything, like kind of like trial and error, jumping into different niches. But the main niches I'm in is the mattress niche. So mattress and sleep niche. So it's a really good vertical to be in. It's quite difficult. Like it's one of the top levels. I wouldn't recommend that for someone kind of starting out. Uh, but yeah, mainly mattress and sleep and then loads of random stuff like VR, fitness, uh, all stuff like that. And did you start these sites like from ground zero or did you buy it from someone? Most of them are started from ground zero. So I, I basically like starting websites, uh, putting like 30 articles on so Google kind of can tell what the website's about. And then I just let them sit because I'm too busy with other stuff. So I kind of do that, start it, let it sit for maybe a year and then go back to them if something picks up or kind of fancy working on them again. Yeah. So when was the time when you were kind of like, okay, I'm building this portfolio of sites and all these mattress niches and sleep niches. And you kind of realized, oh shit, it's actually making me a lot of money. Like I just need to focus on this. Mm. What was the transition phase you'd say? It's pretty difficult with that because I kind of left the job and kind of went all in on the whole blogging and building SEO sort of thing. So I didn't living in the mum's basement. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of I kind of just went for it and just carried on with it. But it was maybe a couple of years in, a year and a bit in, then realized like this is where it's at because the sites like kind of started kicking off the first few sites and then started making like a decent bit of money. And then you realize like it's it's definitely a business. You got to treat it like a business yeah. and keep escalating. And what would you say like are the pros and cons of acquiring versus buying sites? Because you had that experience in both yeah, yeah. sectors. So what would you say? Like, what would you suggest? Yeah. So I, I've bought a few sites as well. And I think it's more when you experience, when you kind of have to build, so you kind of go through all the, pitfalls and all the down downfalls because you're going to make mistakes so you kind of want to make that on the when you're first starting out and stuff what doesn't matter too much when you kind of know what you're doing it's it's amazing buying sites because you you skip the the initial phase like google trying to trust your site is it worth getting traffic to and then you can just escalate it massively from there so i, I did a post like not too long ago so i basically bought three websites for 125 grand roughly there's the exact amount online uh, but bought three websites for that, and now, like a few months later, they're pretty much double what they're worth. So it's so so much easier to yeah. leverage what's already out there. So I'm a big fan of acquiring websites, especially now because like everyone's kind of worried with AI and stuff like that. So everyone's like selling quite cheap. So it's like the perfect time to to buy a good website for cheaper and then build it up. Yeah, 
it's kind of a hit or a miss for me. Like, and people I see around like buying websites, sometimes you find something and turned into gold, a diamond, but mm. there are times when there's a pitfall and you start dropping and the revenue starts decreasing and you still kind of like have to kind of get to that level that you bought off. Like, what would you advise for people who are buying websites? What are the things they need to focus on so that they maintain that steady, you know, yeah. hockey movement? Keep the growth going. Uh, so it's all about auditing. So you want to audit the website before you kind of buy it. So what I do is I check, I've got a massive list of blacklist domains. So domains what are selling guest posts and stuff like that. So I check the link profile and make sure they haven't been buying loads of links from these domains. And then if someone's been buying like hundreds or a few, few 10, like 20 or 30, 40, like, uh, paid domains, I kind of stick away from that because Google, if I can tell the buying links, Google can tell the buying links. So that's one thing. Uh, and then another thing I always check how old the content is, kind of what they've, what they've been doing. Cause a lot of the times, uh, a lot of the content just needs updating. They've maybe left it for a few years cause people get bored of having a site for a while and they kind of neglect it. So if you can see that and you see it just needs a bit more of extra work on old posts, it massively skyrockets it. Uh, and then I also check for low hanging fruit. So a lot of people don't go for keywords. Now it's changed a little bit, but I used to do uh, Reddit and Quora. So if they're ranking for certain key keywords, it means they're easy to rank for. And a lot of people don't do like the low hanging fruit keywords. So as soon as I buy a site, I just check that. And it gives you usually hundreds of articles, which are very low hanging, easy to do. And then just write that. And then it instantly boosts the traffic up quite a lot, basically. There's some nice pointers. Mm. I mean, online real estate is always nice and you can always turn into gold. And also let's talk about your recent investment in Bali. Huh? Yeah. Going diversifying Cheers. portfolio. Yeah, that's the plan. So I love the digital assets, and the online business, but like you say, it's nice to diversify and have something a little bit different. So I've recently bought a 12 hour of land leasehold for 25 years. Uh, so that's going to be a villa for myself and then six Airbnbs renting out <laughs> as well. That's a massive project. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. a big project. So there's going to be ups and downs with that. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, but that's the plan. So I'm going to do that. I'm probably going to sell a few sites uh, in February time to pay for the builds, uh, but we'll see how we go. Yeah, I'm like very excited for that. Yeah. Living in Bali and living in Dubai. Yeah. let's compare and let's talk about the contradictions and it's massive changing from <laughs> Bali and Dubai it's totally two different things but there's still a lot of entrepreneurs in both places yeah so I moved from the UK I moved the business all over to Dubai for zero percent tax and then to try out Dubai basically and I like it it's like it's a cool city uh there's a lot to, to do I think but you've not really got the scenery like it's totally different from Bali so since coming here it's made me appreciate Bali a lot more. So I'll probably be going in between, but at the moment I prefer Bali. And then Dubai, like we've been chatting about, Dubai is going to introduce tax. So if they introduce a 9% tax, Bali only has 10%. So it kind of makes sense to yeah. to move over to uh, Bali. Yeah. And also all the, I think the community is a very nice aspect of living in Bali. Mm. You meet loads of people who have already had success in entrepreneurship world and the kind of all-rounding life with a bit of biohacking and spirituality and psychology, like 
What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, you don't get that in Dubai. Well, yeah. not really. There's, there's it's not, all like, let's yeah. go, let's go. Yeah, it's, yeah, Dubai's great for the motivation and the cars and the big skyscrapers. It's cool. But yeah, you don't get the community and people who've kind of been there and done that. So a lot of people have already made a lot of money and sold the businesses and then they kind of come out here, from what I've found anyway. Uh, yeah, and the community, like going to Istana and you've got the spa and the cliff. It's incredible. It's really yeah, good. Yeah. Let's talk about Parasite SEO because you, the guy who kind of introduced me to it as well. And I've been testing some of my clients and yeah, they're kind of ranking straight away and I'm so surprised. And the first time I discovered about Parasite SEO was like last year when there was a lot of people buying tier two links mm. for these Parasite sites. And I didn't realize like, oh, these are the Parasites. <laughs> yeah. I thought they were just like money sites of these people. <laughs> So yeah, like, how did you find out about Parasite SEO? What's the strategy you're using? And what would you advise, like, the pointers to look at these sites and making sure that you get the most out of your buck? Yeah. So, mate, it was probably Charles Float that kind of got me, pushed me over the edge of doing it. So he was the main person who was, like, big advocate for it. So I kind of checked it out and checked, like, what the ranking for, like, in what, in what locations, because, like, some of the sites rank all over the place, like in Germany, the UK, US, it's, it's, it's insane. Uh, that kind of pushed me over the edge of starting Parasite SEO and realizing how cheap you can kind of get a post and get it ranking rather than building your own site. So there's there's really pros and cons. So like building your own site, it's your asset and you can, can kind of control it and it adds the value when you make a sale for the website and stuff like that. But Parasite SEO is a lot, of, there's there's quite a lot of domains, like there's Outlook India and there's there's loads, there's like a massive list. Uh, but for like Outlook India, it basically ranks straight away in most niches, even like, it's mainly for like products and stuff like that it ranks for. Uh, so it basically just skips the, skips the curve. I think it's the most trending topic on Twitter, like <laughs> yeah. Outlook India. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And the thing is, people say it's been like hit and gone down, but it's still still working. Like I did a few posts not too long ago, and it's on the first page, like as soon as it's published, it's it's insane. Because people always say like you need EATT, like you need the authority of the author, bio and stuff <laughs> no, like that. Not yeah. at all, like they don't have it and it ranks. Yeah, it's discrediting all the EAT experts in the market yeah, for sure. Yeah, 100%. So uh, I think it's obviously good to have uh, that stuff on your own site. Make sure you have like, make it look looks legit with a contact and a buy author page and stuff like that. But it's, it basically means you don't, you don't need it because that, that outranks everything and it doesn't have it. So yeah. Do you think Outlook, uh, India, these type of sites, it's going to last for a long time or are we seeing like a major shift in the Google updates coming ones and all these sites are going to disappear? I don't think it will. I think it might change. So there's there's quite a lot of, it's not just Outlook India, that's just the most popular one. So even if that goes, you can always jump on uh, a different website and there's there's quite a lot which rank for well for different uh, topics. So th there's always going to be, there's always going to be something because it's like, it's just a higher authoritative like news websites basically. Like Forbes, they do their own thing so they don't really allow Parasite but it's them, if they do a post on like the top 10 toasters, they're going to rank number one more or less straight away. Yeah. Uh, and it's basically just using that authoritiveness uh, of a different site and just doing your article to rank. And even my idea, like even if Google has to do a manual penalty on all these sites, like based on links or authority or content, it's just impossible to work the algorithm, make it work out 
so that all these sites manage. It's not going to. No, it's so hard. It's impossible for them to do it because it's like at the moment, it's to be honest with you, the more stronger because it's kind of relying on more links at the moment because the all the AI content people are using and it's like, how are they going to combat it? At the moment, they've started ranking Reddit for everything, uh, which is crazy. And and then it's basically authoritative site. So links kind of, no matter what, they keep getting stronger basically because that's how they're kind of getting rid of the low quality sites. If they've not got any links, they're just relying on pure content. That's why I think Parasite will carry on for a while. Mm. What are your thoughts on AI and how you've been leveraging in your <laughs> business? Yeah, well, it's crazy, isn't it? It's for everything, for content, for for just doing little things like titles, even using like a mid-journey for images. So like at the moment, I, I really love mid-journey for images because it kind of stands out. So like the, if you treat blog posts a bit like YouTube, because Google owns YouTube, uh, like thumbnails, like Mr. Beast always says, like it's one of the most important things. And it kind of is for blog posts as well now because they appear in the search results so if something like stands out there's more chance of someone clicking on that and actually going on your content and which helps improve like the click-through rate and then helps improve the ranking overall so like ai for images is crazy and then ai for content's insane as well yeah but you, st you still need the human element like there's a lot of people which it's just a tool at the end of the day it's, it speeds up the writing process but you still need to have that editing and just make sure it's all there and then add your internal links in and stuff like that. A lot of people are just bulk doing content because it's quick and easy and cheap, but they forget the rest of the stuff. So it's just low quality and it doesn't work most of the time. Mm. What would you say, like, I mean, you've got like a pretty big operation of the portfolio sites, the numbers you mentioned, $1.5 million. Uh, what would you say is the percentage versus you using AI versus having a team or reas and what your tips on kind of meeting both sides of the coin? Mm. So I actually hire an agency to do all my writing for me now. So I sometimes do a blog post every now and again, but nothing really. A lot of the times it's agency. And then what they do is they use AI and then surfer optimize and then do human edited. So it's like, it has that human touch. And then I always go in and just double check everything's okay. Mm. But AI's helped massively for my VAs as well because a lot of them from the Philippines, they're not very uh, too good with English or they're not very, like they wouldn't know how to do titles and stuff like that. So you kind of, with AI, it just makes it so simple. You can just say, uh, write me a title about X, give me five different examples. And then it just gives you a massive list and like it makes them be able to do a lot more tasks. So it's speed up the workflow a lot more with everything. It's good. And what, what's your team looking like for the years and stuff? It's actually quite small. So it, it, sometimes I grow it a little bit bigger for if I want to do link building and outreach. Uh, and then if I want to do Harrow, so I do VAs for Harrow as well. At the moment, I've only got uh, so three VAs. Then basically their main jobs is helping me format the content, publish it and get the images um, and bits of bobs with, that, with more outreach side and stuff like that, getting like lists together, more... Uh, more formatting and stuff like that. And what are your suggestions on like the best affiliate content? Like, I think a lot of people, when they come to me for buying PBN links or my link building packages, I see their sites and I see it like they, they're not optimizing it with the H tags and even mm. the CRO. So how do you make sure it's the best affiliate content SEO optimized with the CRO aspect? 
Yeah. So so with that uh, CRO, like you mentioned, it's one of the most important things. Like it, a lot of people focus on just the SEO, getting the content out. But like if you've already have an established site and you're getting traffic, the best thing you can do is actually CRO. It's basically just adding uh, like buttons which are different code from your brands to the standout. And then what I always like to do, so I do like an intro and then I do a H2 with a, a very similar heading to to the title of the the post and then do a list of the products because that always appears in the featured snippet. So it's so easy to win the featured snippet for the best articles. You just have to have that section in. Uh, and then with the list of products, I always do, you segment them. So you do, this is the best budget product. This is the best overall. So I like to have two of those in the list as well, because that kind of intrigues people with a click. Because if they see it on the SERPs, it's in the featured snippet. They don't need to click on your website. They can just Google the product. But if you say this is the best budget or stuff like that, it kind of adds a curiosity for people to click on the page and check it out. And then I also do that in the H2s of the products. Um, so how many H2s and H3s and H4s and H1s? What are we talking? So I just do one H1 for the title uh, and then usually H2 for the list and then underneath the list then I get into the products and there'll be H3s under that and then back into the informational content underneath the products that goes straight back to H2s and then the complete conclusion would be H2 as well. So, so you, you don't need really H4, H5, no, H6? not really. So I, I sometimes if there's something relevant uh, which connects under the topic which is under the H3 because you want to kind of do it in order uh, then I'd maybe do H4, but I'd never go after H4. And sometimes I don't even use H4. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, I kind of realized that like the H4s and the H5s, the H6s, they're not very significant. Coming to the content, like how are you making sure that the user experiences to top priority and you're getting more clicks? Like what do you do? Do you have any tactics? Adding videos to pages is massive as well. Mm. So videos, it helps the retention so people watch it, especially if you've got ads on your website. So there's going to be an ad on the side, so they've got all that time watching a video on your site with ads. So that increases revenue massively. And also user metrics, like everything with, with videos, if they spend 10 minutes extra on the page. Uh, extra images as well, like relevant images. Never use stock images, so images are a big one. And then just making it clear, like you don't really want fluff. Like I know you kind of want to, a lot of people think like word count, you want more words and more words. But if it's just repeating what you've already wrote about, or it's just, it doesn't help people convert, it's kind of pointless. So you, you kind of want to just make it on topic. And a lot of the times it's around about 2000 words, maybe less, but obviously it depends on the article, if you can write more about it or less about it. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much pretty much it with the user metrics to keep people on. There's also adding the internal links, which are relevant, which keep people on your site, which is massive like Google signal as well. So inbound versus outbound links, how, how much are we talking each page? So with the affiliate content, you're always going to get a lot more outbound links. And I always like to update content and play around with it. Sometimes I'd remove the outbound links a lot because a lot of the times as well, I like to add an outbound link on the images and in a button and then sometimes a text link as well because the text link, text link sometimes people click on that or they click on the image as well. So I like to do that. So a lot of the affiliate content I've got is it's quite, it's got quite a lot of outbound links to be honest with you, probably around 30, 30 plus ish. So it's quite heavy with the outbound links. Uh, and then internal links, 
it's quite small to be honest with you, probably around five-ish, depending on the piece of content. And is there any guideline you can go more than this or less than this and you're not going to rank as good? It kind of depends. You kind of want to play around with it. So yeah, like if sure. something's not ranking or doing as well, maybe try less links because that's quite heavy uh, with, with the external links. It's it's basically you just want to serve the user. If it's helping the user take them to a product, I don't really see the problem with it. But sometimes it may be too spammy if you've got hundreds of links pointing out or going internal-wise. So it's best to play around with that. And with the internal links, I've actually nuked uh, one of my sites once from over-optimizing the internal links. So it'd be very heavy, like, bet this is the best mattress. Uh, so it'd be the exact anchor. So you can do that with external links to your site, but also the internal. And you have more control of the internal. So if you're over-optimizing there, it sends a strong sing signal. Okay. Makes sense. What are you doing for keyword strategy? Like how you're filtering out the keywords and making sure um, they cover in the whole page. Like one of my buddies, like Rohin Dua, his strategies is to go to the search console and see what comes up on the top impressions. And mm. if that's not included, add it in the pages. I think that's really clever. Yeah, that's brilliant. So I do that as well. And uh, Joe Davis uh, from Fat Joe's just released a plugin uh, called Query Hunter. So you can do that and it, it plugs into WordPress and he's also doing one for like Shopify and stuff like that as well. So an online tool. But the one for WordPress is amazing. It, it basically does that Google search console, but it's on your website. So you don't have to go back and forth. It's just at the bottom of the page. So you can instantly see, uh, I've got, I'm getting clicks for this, but there's no mention of this keyword on this page. So you can go in uh, and just optimize the page even more. And then you can also use that for internal linking and stuff like that. So I did, I was actually doing this yesterday. Uh, I have a page, something about texting someone late at night. And I realized that it was getting a bit of traffic for calling people late at night. So it's quite a similar keyword. Uh, so it was getting traffic for that. But I actually just posted recently something about calling people late at night. So what I did was actually de-index that page and then just optimize that page more for calling because it was already getting clicks. Because otherwise it's kind of, it combats itself and Google can't like tell what to rank what for. So it's best to kind of have one page. Uh, but with the keywords, so I use the Query Hunter, do the Google Search Console. That's amazing. That's perfect for updating content. But for finding new keywords, I like to use tools like um, lowfruits.io and um, KeywordCupid. So that does kind of the same. It finds questions which are which credit uh, Reddit and Quora are ranking for. And those are usually easy topics. You can outrank them. It's changed a little bit now because Reddit's yeah. ranking for everything. So it's quite hard. But before it was perfect for finding easy keywords. And then the master strategy, which I pretty much use for all the sites, is you want to map out the niche you're in. So you want to get all the websites where you're competing against in a massive list download all the keywords from SEMrush or Hrevs, put it all into a doc, and then there'll be thousands, like it's really slow. You want to deduplicate it. And then I generally look for under, with Hrevs it would be under like five keyword difficulty. And then I filter out for like best keywords or and when I'm doing the affiliate side or the informational side. And those are like the entire niche's keywords which are easy to target. So I always do that and that's that's turned out to be like really successful. That's why I kind of like 10x a lot of the sites and that's what I do when I'm buying a site is try and find stuff like that. Hmm. 
mainly the easy keywords. <laughs> you mentioned about like de-indexing pages. Like what's your strategy on that? Like how do you realize, okay, I need to de-index this page and what tool you use to de-index and what are the chances that you might de-index the wrong page and you might lose a bit of a traffic? Yeah, so that's with the audit process. So like I tend to audit a lot of the websites and you kind of want to see if it's an old post. So if it's a few years old and it's not getting any traffic whatsoever, and if it's kind of competing with a similar post on the same topic, then I'd, I'd de-index it or canonically it to the, to, uh, redirect it to the other page. Uh, so it's basically low, if it's got no links and no traffic, then I kind of work it out and it's older. So like you want to give it at least six months for a page to kind of get going. What do you mean canonical? So you can refer pages. Uh, you can basically say this is the page I want to rank for this keyword. Okay. So you can leave that actually on ranking, but you say you want this other page ranking. Oh. So it's actually a really clever tactic. I know someone who basically, he spins out AI, he makes like a random AI site, spins out like 10,000 pages uh, and just kind of leaves it. And then if a page starts ranking, what he does is canonicals that to his main website so it keeps the traffic and it keeps the ranking in the SERP but it goes to that website so instead of filling up his main website with like hundreds of pages like loads of spam he, he basically does that tactic and uh, just gets the ranking straight across to his main website that's so clever yeah but how do you canonical it is it like a html tag you use or what yeah so you, you can do it in you can do it in yoast and rank math so a lot of it you can do it there so you just okay. put in the url and it will do it straight away you don't want to be canonical and if you canonical the page let's say it's somewhat related is it like a url or it's like a tag or something I think it's the URL. I don't, I'm not too sure what it looks like in the code. I've not actually looked at it, but I'm pretty sure it's like REL canonical and then it will say the, the okay, website. Yeah. So I it's something to do with the code. Yeah, one of my clients, he canonical the wrong page and it disappeared the rankings. Yeah. Uh, I remember that scenario. Oh, okay, that's that's the one. Yeah, you've got, you have got to be careful with stuff like de-indexing and canonical. It's very, uh, you can definitely destroy your site if you do the wrong, <laughs> wrong stuff. Yeah. yeah. So... Coming to the Google information gain theory. Mm. Yeah, you've been talking about it like a lot in your Twitter as well. What's its significance? What, what is it? So like we was talking about the affiliate content, I think like the information gain is massive. So like what I like to do is check the SERPs, uh, make sure I'm covering everything, what everyone else is covering. So you've got the whole list and then you want to add something extra because it's shown to Google that you're spending the time to add something extra, which is relevant. And with the like best review sort of articles, it's quite easy to do because a lot of people won't include a product if they've not got an affiliate program because people want to make money. So a lot of people will leave that product out. If you just include that product, you're adding a little bit of extra, especially if it's a very popular product because most of the top brands won't have the affiliate program because they're already at the top. They don't, don't want to share the commission. They don't need it. So if you just do like... Uh, product alternative just before the uh well just after the like roundup of products and then you refer like your top pick is the best compare it that helps rank in google for the alternative keyword and it adds that little bit of extra to your article saying you've no one else is doing this i'm adding is in it um it's a gain of the article compared to everyone else 
Okay. So it definitely helps with rankings. Mm. I need to research more about it. There's so many things that come out in SEO, like mm. how much you can get in your system and just kind of follow everything. I think for me, it's just like whatever works through your experiments, just stick to it. Because there's so much fluff as well out there and you might be just focusing on the wrong signals and then you end up making nothing, you know, with the rankings and the revenue and that. Yeah, it's definitely the 80-20 principle. Just focus on the little things like you don't really need to keep finding the next shiny object, the next thing, but just the little nuggets what you might get, which you can add or improve content or improve your website kind of helps. But it is sticking to the basics, like you're sorting out your title, the URL, the content, uh, and then getting links to your website and making sure the internal linking is done. And then that's the main things you want to focus on. And then everything else is a bonus, like making yeah. sure the featured image is good and stuff like that. I mean, you need to be an advanced SEO, but I believe like you also need to polish your basic SEO as well, because you can only go to an extent an advanced SEO version if your basic is right. And I think most people are just jumping onto the advanced <laughs> SEO, which you've been talking about all these tactics and stuff. And then they forget the basic and they never end up ranking, you know, and that's funny how most SEOs like who are newbies and stuff, they get confused. Yeah. And then they're like, SEO is dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people don't give it time as well. It's like, it's, it's good. It has like a, a moat to like SEO and the, the content organic traffic, otherwise everyone will be doing it. Because uh, it usually takes like a few years and like you can't tell like you can make a change now and then you, it might not affect it for like a few months. So it's like you can't really judge like w this did this and you need to do this to improve your website, especially if you like so many different niches as well. Like it might work there, but it might not work somewhere else. But as long as you get the basics down, that's like you're saying, that's what you want to stick to. I mean, it comes down to like time and consistency, like most things in life. And a lot of us just want to give up too quickly or we don't, we're not consistent enough. And, you know, like, yeah, I think these two factors play a lot when it comes to SEO and even relationships, you know, like time yeah. and consistency, like. Yeah, right timing, definitely. Yeah. Like, uh, especially like with, SEO, even jumping on like growing trends, like if you find something on TikTok or stuff like that and you end up writing about it and no one else does, like you can ride the wave and the, the, the curve with that sort of topic. It's amazing. So it, it's best to stick to like evergreen topics, which I like to do, but you can kind of do that and timing does play a big important thing with it. Yeah. Let's come to my favorite topic. <laughs> Backlinks. Yeah. <laughs> So what's your strategy? What have you been using? What's working for you? So I've tried I've tried loads of stuff, obviously. Uh, Especially PBNs are the winner. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, they get a bad rep, but PBNs, like, I, I do, like, Harrow, I do everything. And a lot of Harrow websites are glorified link farms. All they do is just, uh, just like, do a little quote and just outlink to, to everything. Like, a lot of them are just worse than guest posts now. Uh, so like having a PBN is, is more, it's a lot cleaner than a lot of different options at the moment, depending on obviously the PBN and how it's built and how they're linking out and stuff like that. But a lot of the times it works out cheaper because people ask a fortune as well. If you're outreaching people and they, 
you want to get a link on their website, it doesn't really matter if you're going to give them a free content. Like they want at least $100. Like it, yeah. it's crazy. And then you check the metrics and the metrics are terrible. Like not like you want to make sure it has traffic as well as everything else. Like key thing I look for is traffic. Uh, but yeah, PBNs definitely still work, especially like if you don't want to do them to your main site, try and parasite SEO and then doing backlinks to that. PBNs is definitely the way forward. You kind of judge it without actually having to test it on your own website. And what I used to do, which is a little bit, uh, a little bit naughty, but I used to send PBNs to guest posts, which I actually get on other people's websites to power them up. So it's like the tier two back to my website. So I used to do that quite a bit. Uh, but for other backlinking strategies, I I like to do content. So I like to build like stat pages. And stat pages, when they're ranking at the top, they just get links like crazy. Because like uh, journalists are looking for like, how many people are drinking coffee right now? And like, they're looking for like that sort of stats. So if you appear at the top, they just want something quick. They just go on the website, check the stat, copy it, put it in the article and link back to you. So stat page is huge. Uh, I've been how, using that. How do they look like? Do they have a lot of content and stuff? It's usually not too much because it's quite hard to obviously add it. So I kind of try and boost it up a little bit, but it's usually around about a thousand words. And you want to make sure it's clear for people to, to go in, find the content and use that as a quote. So you want to make sure it's quotable as well as not, you don't want like massive walls of text, otherwise no one's going to use it. Hmm. But yeah, they've been really helpful. And content versus links, like how much are you focusing on the content and how much are you focusing on the links? I kind of go through stages. So like, like for my bigger mattress site, I've pretty much wrote everything there is to write about mattresses and sleep. So content's quite slow. Every now and again, if there's a new product, I'll do a review on it or change stuff around, update content. But I don't really write any new articles for that. So that's this stage with that website. It's, it's basically pure links, which I'm just doing, adding links to. Uh, so I basically have someone doing Harrow constantly, doing outreach for that uh, and making sure I just answer relevant topics. I don't like want links from like businesses and like stuff what's not relevant to that niche. Uh, and... I actually quite like Fiverr links, but not proper like guest posts and just crappy Fiverr links. Don't do those. But I quite like um, if you have a video, a PDF or an infographic, you can just get someone on Fiverr for like $10 to submit that to hundreds of different basically directories, so directory links. So I use those as pillow links to basically to boost up the DR so you want to boost up the DR. Links are important for this because boosting up the DR, it stops people copying your keywords. So like if you see a low DR site doing quite well with high traffic, you, you're you going to look like what pages are they doing, how, how they're ranking for this, and then you're going to copy that content because it's a low DR site and you, you can beat them. So if you boost up your DR to a certain level, it stays away a lot of competition as well with the content. And... The topical relevancy side, how are you making sure that the website's really topical relevant? Like you just mentioned, um, there's this site you own and you just talked everything about mattresses. Mm. But if I have to tell you like, okay, let's add 10 more. Like how are you navigating the topical relevant aspect side? Yeah, so I always make sure it's on topic. And if the title's about one thing, I make sure everything on that page is very relevant to that page. 
Uh, and if it is less relevant, like it doesn't really match that content, it would be at the bottom of the page and it'd only be like a smallish paragraph and then that would link to a, a full article about that topic. Uh, yeah, you want to make sure it's on topic and then for the o overall like topical relevance, what I like to do is just build out like a mind map of the keywords and everything before you start building the site or doing the content and just make sure everything's like, if you've got like the best mattress, you want stuff what's supporting around, like why is it the best mattress and like stuff like all the pros are like linking kind of to it. Hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, it's very, very on topic. Like I wouldn't write about something which isn't in that niche. It's got to be very relevant. Hmm. So let's say my client's a digital marketing agency and if they're talking about Facebook or Twitter, is it? topical relevant yeah it would matter uh but you want to build out like the hubs of that content mm. so you have like different sections of your website so like you'd have like the social media side and or maybe like ad side and maybe an organic traffic side and then you'd build out like the silos and hubs in that one structure and what you can kind of do is what i like to do is build out a few different hubs and then do a few different articles like linking together in those hubs and then Google will end up like ranking your, preferring your website for one of those hubs. And then when that hub's getting more traffic than the others, then you kind of go all in on that section. So if you your website's preferred for like Facebook, it's ranking crazy for Facebook, then you write more content around Facebook rather than everything else. Uh, and that's kind of how you leverage the organic traffic side as well. Focus on stuff which is gonna bring you revenue faster. Okay. Because I had a client, uh, he contacted me for links and yeah, all his blog posts were on social media. And I was like, yeah, mate, like you need to kind of start posting about SEO and web design as well. Like you just can't focus on social media because that's one category. Mm. Yeah, like you say, it's just a category of the main topic. If it's uh, like a wider niche, like digital marketing, like SEO is quite niche, really. It's quite, it's a, just a little subsection of marketing and then link building is a smaller section of the SEO subsection of marketing. Mm. Uh, so you kind of, depending on what you're talking about, digital marketing, it's a wide array of topics. So yeah, you kind of need it all to be a well-rounded website to become a, an authority in the, in the space, basically. Mm. Makes sense. The bigger the bigger the niche, basically, the more money you kind of have to have. Like a HubSpot sort of thing talks about everything. Is you can you'll be able to see on the website's got everything, uh, and that helps build the whole website up just because of all the different silos. Hmm. Since you are in a lot of niches, like what would you say are the golden niches? Like seven eight figure niches, because I've I've been talking to some people and. And I get quite a lot of inquiries about all types of niches and some of the niches in Thailand, like gambling and stuff, like they're crazy, like, and they have spending budget of $200,000 on links a month. Like, what would you say are the niches that are like dominating at the moment? Yeah, I've recently I've been going to a lot of events and I met so many people in the gambling niche as well. And the amount of money like they spend on links, the content and everything, it's just insane. But they make so much money and it's so competitive. Yeah. You need to do it. So like anything which gets more money is more uh, earns more revenue is going to be the harder the harder it is. So anything like to do with finance, there's usually some really good uh, affiliate programs for anything like finance, like accounting, even stuff like that. 
Uh, and then basically that mean it's just a lot harder to rank for. Mattresses is a good one as well because it's like high commission uh, and it's a high value, um, high average order value product. So that earns quite well because of that. Uh, but what I like to do, I've not actually got a niche in this, but anything kind of software related because it's, it's basically all profit for them. Anything course related is basically all profit. VPN is getting big. VPN's massive. So yeah. like... That's kind of what I get, want to go into. So we've not spoke about Reddit too much yet, but Reddit's basically started ranking for loads of keywords. And I've actually been using that for VPN. So it's ranking for a lot of the VPN keywords. So I've jumped on the bandwagon, started writing, uh, writing about VPNs and the posts which are ranking in Google, and then just putting a link back to the, the VPN affiliate product. Uh, it's been a, a bit of money so far without any content or anything. It's crazy. Yeah, that's clever. And how are you making sure that the Reddit kind of like is ranking? Are you sending links to it? So it's really easy. So you can you can rank on Reddit for pennies. So you can buy a, like a, an account which people have grown. So it's got the karma for like $20, $30. Uh, and then most most topics only need like 20 upvotes to rank at the top of the page for that. Uh, for that. I don't even know what they call it, that post. Uh, so it costs three dollars to to get that. So for three dollars, and like if you've not got an account, twenty thirty dollars to buy an account, you can rank at the top for whatever's ranking in Google for that topic. So I've I've basically just been going through all the niches, searching like the higher affiliate programs, uh, checking if Reddit's ranking for it. If it is, going into that post and seeing if you're allowed to comment on it, and then just comment on it and boosting the post up to number one. It's been a been a great tactic so far. <laughs> I do you, th do you I think all this Reddit is ranking because of this Outlook India, the parasite side yeah, of things? Yeah, 100%. Well, it's it's a combination to do with the parasite SEO and the AI content. So it's it's a mix of that. So it's trying to it's trying to weed out the AI websites. So Google's struggling with it, and it's trying to get rid of the parasite, just authority, like ranking and making money sort of pages. So that's kind of their way around it to do user-generated content, but you can manipulate Reddit a lot easier than Google. Yeah. I mean, if you've been manipulating Google long enough, you can always find ways in it. Like, Yeah, I think it's it's a very like growth hacker, try and make money sort of mindset. Yeah, sure. So coming to all your acquisitions, like talk to me about acquisition, what are the red flags, what are the first steps you do, and how you maintain the growth, like I'd love to get mm. your insights on it. Yeah, so always make sure I order it. So I've, I've just, in my recent newsletter, I've just been talking about that and the time this is out, it, I'll have it on my website, oliver.com. So I'll have a, an audit page. Uh, so I basically just made a little free template. It's really easy. So it just imports, you just import like the, the site data and just the analytics and uh, the data, the pages and the backlinks to check against the blacklist backlinks. So I always do that, audit pages. Uh, and then monetization is quite big with buying the website and just making sure how it's earning money. A lot of the times I like websites which are just solely focused on ads because they've not really done the affiliate side, which is kind of goes up with different levels. Like ads are quite low, easy, easy to kind of make money. So it's you don't earn as much. Like affiliate takes a bit more effort, so you earn a bit more. Then you kind of got like digital products, like what made yourself, you earn even more money because you're selling your own thing. So anything which you can kind of escalate to the next levels is uh, is good. 
red flags wise it's basically the bad guest post backlinks uh, and then making sure most of the traffic is organic and then it's not just coming to like one or two pages you kind of want it spread out you'll notice like most websites it's still like 20% of the website brings in 8% of the traffic but you just don't want to make sure it's like two or three pages because if anything goes wrong with those you've lost all your traffic and revenue and income uh other than that that's pretty much it so like site design you can change quite easy i would say that's pretty much it with the red flags yeah okay really really simple to be honest with you just making sure it's not a spammy website and it's kind of it's is diversified in the affiliate programs and everything like that spread the risk out basically talking about affiliate programs what affiliate programs are winning right now like based on CPM, RPM and... So it's different for a lot of niches, but I kind of touched on the courses. So like a lot of like hobby sites, uh, they don't monetize it enough. So there's always going to be like a, a course of like maybe knitting, how to knit something on like Teachable or anything like that. And the affiliate for stuff like that is usually 30% plus, which is crazy. And you, if not, it's on Amazon, so it's getting like two, three percent. So like, it's a massive difference. So any sort of hobby niche is usually good for the courses. You can make a lot of money through that. Uh, other affiliate programs, it's not many niches do it, but anything with a recurring revenue model. So like your VPNs or your AI writers or anything like that, anything which is like a SaaS sort of business with recurring revenues is what you want. Because if you make a one sale there, it could recur for quite a long time. Mm. And MediaVan and all these, Zoic, what are you recommending for people? <laughs> well, no, definitely not Zoic. Uh, so MediaVine, so there's a big debate about MediaVine and AdThrive. I think it's important to... I'd do Mediavine first because that's a, a lower threshold to actually get on. Some people have found better success with uh, AdThrive. Some people have found better success with Mediavine. It's quite hard to judge. For me, Mediavine's better. I, I prefer Mediavine. It's just nice with a setup and everything like that. AdThrive, you have like a massive video ad at the top, which is not the best for UX, like user experience. Uh, but it's still, it does well. It earns revenue. So any of those two is good. Azoic's good for like smaller websites, but what they do is try and lock people into contracts, like the very predatory tactics. So I'd never re recommend them. It's I just prefer to use AdSense rather than using them. Hmm. What would you say are the top factors that Google looks at for a ranking affiliate site or any random site, according to your experience? So what Cal Roof likes to say, it's the absence of a factor. So it's not including the factor, which it would uh, give you like a downfall. So you just want to do all the things you want to have, like you want to make it look real. So you want to have like an address at the bottom, like a phone number, if you can put a phone number at the bottom, uh, an author page, a bio, everything like that. So you, you want to include everything. Um, for me, titles are massive. So titles massively help like even adding extra stuff because it improves the click-through rate as well which helps improve prove everything so even adding like a a brackets with a 2023 on like a product review website will help you rank for the people searching for something new in 2023 and it also helped the click-through rate so like even if you just go through your website and just upgrade the titles to make it that little bit more catchy and like clickbaity 
that'll massively improve everything overall. Just like the small little changes, you want to focus on the basics, basically. Hmm. So what would you say like clickbaity uh, titles look like? So you can use AI for this like massively. Yeah. So you just ask it to do, put in the title you've already got and ask it to do like 10 different examples. Uh, you kind of want to keep the main structures. You want to keep the, the main keywords still in the title. You don't want to change it like too drastically. So you're going to stop ranking for whatever you're ranking for usually in that title. But it's just, uh, just adding like that little bit of extra on the end. So like, is it worth it? Question mark. It adds, builds a curiosity to help people to click. Or if it's more like a service-based business, it's maybe adding like a, an extra LSI related keyword also in the heading. Uh, what people might be searching for. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So yeah, using AI is massive for upgrading titles and just upgrading your content. Mm. And what are the common mistakes you see SEOs doing lately? Like I see a lot of myths and people believe that and, and they're just focusing on the things that don't matter. But yeah, coming to mistakes regarding content or links, what they're doing wrong. It's a tough one with with coming to mistakes, but it's I would say it's more time allocation, the mistakes what they're making. So like the focusing on design or the theme or making sure this pop-up looks perfect and spend hours doing that rather than focusing on things what move the needle, like adding more content to the website or upgrading the content. Like if there's old posts like over a year old and it's, it's going down in traffic and it had traffic and now it's lost traffic. They're not updating the content rather than the focusing on maybe changing the theme or doing like very low value tasks rather than tasks which earn the revenue. I'd say that's the, the biggest mistake people make. And on the link building side, do you see? The link building side mistakes, well, probably just buying crap links or like Fiverr links yeah. or the random guest post, uh, guest post links, what people say. Uh, what else do people do? Yeah, guest posts have kind of deteriorated their kind of impact since the last few years, like a few years ago, guest posts. Okay, get them, boost. Mm. Now you get guest posts, you hardly see anything. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't move them in the needle a lot of the times. Like even getting... Um, so I was doing Harrow and I got links from like Healthline and everything like that. And it didn't really even move the needle too much because you kind of need more links rather than just a few links. It's obviously good to have that. You want to keep upgrading the link profile and get more and more different domains. Uh, but the guest posts, generally, you only get like two or three and you don't don't get enough to, to kind of move the needle or get anywhere. Like I've been doing a, a lot of outreach recently. I've been in the outreach phase. So I've been sending like thousands of emails and it, I only get like out of the thousands, only like a few which would do a link for free or just for content or upgrade the content to, to include my link. All the rest are $100 plus and very low value sort of domains. Hmm. And coming back to the content side, how are you making sure that Google's kind of considering your content to be the best comparing to your competitors and it's going to just give you brownie points? Like what what, what factors are you looking at? The intro is massive. Intro. So, yeah, so like Google, 
Enter and conclusion. Yeah. So, well, it's it's basically you don't want people to click off your website. So as soon as people click on your website, you want them to to actually not go back to the search results and then click on a different website because that, that's a really bad ranking factor. So you want to hook people and make sure it's interesting and at the very start of the website to make sure they scroll and then just give them the answer, what they're looking for. Like a lot of people try and put fluff and try and just basically not give the answer so they spend longer on the page. But if you give them the answer and they click off your website, even if they're on your website for less than a minute, but if they don't go back to the search results and then look for a, a different page and click on a different page, that's massive. That's, uh, I would say, the number one thing which gets a lot of people. Hmm. And how often are you updating new content versus updating the outdated content? Like, what's your approach? I, I would generally not touch anything under the six month mark. So if it's before six months old, so kind of newish to the website, I generally just leave it and let it sit. Uh, maybe if I've done everything else, I would come back to it. But again, it's the 80-20 principle. So you want to do what moves the needle the most, like maximize your time. So like if you're updating older content, it's going to help more than focusing on the new stuff. So yeah, old content's the the key, especially if it used to get a lot of traffic and now it doesn't. It needs it needs updating. So go in, download Query, uh, Query Hunter, put that on the website, and like you say, do the if you're getting impressions uh, and it's not mentioned on the website, make sure it's added on the page. Uh, and with that as well, you can just do like an AI paragraph and just add the paragraph in just so it's on there. It's good. Hmm. And. You said six months. Like I see people updating websites with content like years ago, or they talk about like you should update your older content. Why? Why not that? You can do, but like I say, I've got like twenty odd sites. So it takes a lot of time, uh, and with that stuff, I quite like doing it myself rather than giving it to a VA because you kind of learn about the website and learn like what pages are on it to what should I link to, and uh, you want to focus on like the the top pages and the older pages because then if you can upgrade the top pages and get it to the next level or in, add the internal links to other pages and kind of boost the, your top section up that's kind of what you want to focus on it you're basically going to get more traffic rather than focusing on the the newer pages mm -hmm. you can do if you've got a smaller site or you've not got too much on and then you can go back to those ones but i like to do old pages over six months old uh the top pages pages which have lost traffic, used to have traffic. Uh, and then I wouldn't focus on the newest pages. I'd prefer to add more content and focus on that rather than updating before six months old. Okay. <clears throat> and coming to silos, what's the importance? Because, yeah, we're touching on all the on-page factors. I think silos play a big role as well. Yeah, so I, I like to... I've, I've built a few different websites in a few different ways. So like I've tried it with like a homepage. This is a little bit off the topic of silo, but the homepage as like a, a best affiliate proper review and then the homepage is navigational. I prefer it as the a navigational homepage. I'd found the best success with that. And then I also like to silo the content. So some, some of our websites are actually built in pages so I can do the silos in the URL structure rather than the linking content structure. So it'd be it'd be very topicalized like in the breadcrumbs as well as uh, linking in the content as well. 
But with silos, I basically just want to make sure I cover the topic. So like, say if you're writing an article about like the best toasters and that that page is actually doing really well compared to best ovens. So like Google likes your website for the toasters. So you want to build more content around that and do that silo and add the uh, informational articles and everything in that silo because Google prefers you for that kind of content. It definitely helps. Can you over-optimize with the silos? Uh, you can definitely over-optimize with the internal linking. So I've done that before. Uh, and that's just the anchor text, basically. The anchor text is too straightforward and too on the nose. You kind of want to mix it up a little bit. But with the silos... Not really. You you want to cover the topic as long as you're not keyword cannibalizing and making sure like if it's very too too similar, like the content, it doesn't really make sense. And the way you can check that is just put it in Google. So you just Google both topics. And then if the search results are the same, it should be one article. But if the search results are different, Google sees that as two different topics. So then you can add the two different sections into the silo. Mm. I think this is the first podcast I talk this much on page because <laughs> I'm a backlinks guy and, and I get like overwhelmed with all the on-page aspects mm. because I really don't like the on-page thing, but I see its importance and, you know, all the factors that kind of help me with the link building side mm. of things. So it's good you're sharing all this information, you know. Well, with the link building as well, like it's passing the link juice around. So if you're getting links to one page, you want to make sure... It's still linking to relevant pages or like other top pages to pass the pass the juice around those pages to boost it up. I know a lot of people um, they like to buy links to the supporting articles. They have like a little silo, a little cluster, and then they'll they buy all the links to the informational cluster articles, which would then link to the best article. So they kind of do that as well. And then if you're ranking for those informational articles they will bring in links naturally as well because a lot of people like link into the question sort of articles and then that would obviously link to your best article so that kind of passes everything around. Hmm. And where do you think like SEO is heading with all this AI revolutionizing like the market? <laughs> what do you see? It's It's too hard to judge what's happening. Like... There's going to be a lot more. It's just so uncertain. It's uncertain, yeah. There's going to be a lot more updates uh, until Google basically gets it right to to try and counteract everything. Uh, But they're bringing in their own search at the moment, which is pretty terrible, to be honest with you. Everyone's always posting, like, the stuff of uh, how unhelpful it is and, like, how it's not giving the right answers to certain topics. I saw something the other day, it's like, how many legs do chickens have and it came up with four and like how much the legs does this bird have and it came up with four it's like it doesn't make any sense like a lot of the ai searches uh google's yeah. doing but they're just going to refine it and change everything around i think it's going to help seos so like a lot of people it's definitely going to help so SEOs. seos not dying right no it's, oh, okay, it's definitely so. going to continue <laughs> so like uh with the generative ai it's coming up with like three or four different results um and so, like, there's more chance to actually be at the top of the page rather than at the bottom of the first page. So you, you're going to get kind of more traffic with that. Hmm. And it's it's kind of, uh, I think it'd be more, like I was saying, adding curiosity to your snippets to try and get people to actually go on your website and read the whole article. So there's going to be, 
it's going to be like anything. There's going to be ways to like hack it and ways to ways to go around it. But definitely yeah. SEO is not dead. <laughs> I mean, we talked a lot of SEO now. Coming to you know the topics which I'm also really interested in, and one of them would be like, how does it feel like having all that success in the past few years, acquiring land? and traveling the world and going to the most exotic places, being remote. Like, do you feel like those feelings of not being enough? And the reason I ask is because I have previous guests in my podcast and they all kind of agreed they experienced similar emotions. So, yeah. It's it's, it's insane. You kind of get like the imposter syndrome because yeah. it, it kind of like it's- So not, it's a thing. It's yeah, a thing. it's a thing. Like. Because you're earning money online, it's it kind of, you can just go to sleep and then you wake up and then you've earned some money. And it's like, you can go out to the beach and you can go do travel around and do different stuff. Uh, and you're still, you're still earning money. It's, it's, it's insane. So it's like, yeah, it's definitely been a massive change. Uh, but yeah, it's, I wouldn't change it. Like it's one of the best businesses to, to kind of get away and kind of do that do that model because it doesn't require a lot of effort once you've kind of built up to that level it kind of continues you don't have to spend every day writing every single day or answering emails doing every single task it kind of runs an autopilot so yeah it's incredible it's it's uh it's such a weird feeling especially like going to different locations like living in bali for a bit and then like going to malaysia next and then thailand for the seo conference for a couple of months uh and then back to bali and then back to Dubai it's like it's yeah it's nuts but you can still work from anywhere and what would you say like the lifestyle choices you're making to have a optimal SEO lifestyle like what are your tips on that so at the moment it's pretty much going uh it's going full on so it's going to like the spa and doing like cold plunge and then hot plunge and like the saunas infrared saunas and eating a bit healthier like drinking coconuts getting out in the sun every day which is very important uh yeah the the optimizing for that is is key for me and but i also still like going to a coffee shop and working where there's people around and that kind of puts me in a good mindset to to do more work and actually spend time on the computer <laughs> yeah and and yeah i think it's just the balance right it's just the balance mm. because you don't want to go too much seo affiliate all the parasite you might be addicted to and you don't want to just like ignore these things because they're kind of like supporting mm. your lifestyle so it all comes down to balance and just kind of mixing it up and yeah i think it's important like you always say like breaking routines as well like maybe you want to spend like a week off from the computer and go do something else and then you can come back kind of refreshed and you uh you kind of appreciate it a bit more when you you have the balance and like working half a day going out and doing something half a day it's like the yin and yang <laughs> yeah, yin and yang <laughs> talk to me about it <laughs> yeah it's brilliant so you just you, you just have, uh enjoy a bit of both so spend a bit of time writing making sure people are doing stuff i think building a team is very important so then you can kind of pull yourself away and get away from it even if you just build like a team for get one person and they just maybe help you out for like two or four hours each day that like extra time like is is massive like it helps your mental health and it's you employing someone so you're helping them get money as well that's that's uh probably the biggest 
best advice you can kind of do with it. Just employ someone for like a few hours to get rid of the tasks because you don't need to do a lot of the tasks. Like a lot of the SEO tasks are quite easy, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. And what would you say, like, I'm sure you've had the phase in your life where you've been kind of drinking and getting smashed and doing your SEO work versus like drinking coconuts and doing yeah. SEO work. Like what's the, what's the difference you see like in well, your mood and everything? Well, I struggle now. Like hangovers absolutely kill me. So like if I go out drinking, it's usually like a more of a social thing. So like a few people and I go out. Uh, but the next day I basically can't work or can't do anything. It's uh, a bit of a write-off for me. So like it affects your mood massively, especially like drinking wise. It's not just the next day's a write-off, but then the next few days it's very you lose your energy, you lose your focus with it. So like, I do like it every now and again, but you can you can definitely tell if you have a bit of time off and just like eat healthy and drink healthier. Yeah. Uh, it makes you more focused and a lot uh, more present with work and life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, life's beautiful, man. We're in Bali recording this podcast. Yeah. Just had a fun sauna session in the morning talking to all these nice balanced entrepreneurs and it just gives you that perspective as well like i think surrounding yourself with these people and and bringing that energy into what you do mm. the most you do and in the most authentic version is so key like it just fulfills your being and just you just enjoy the present you know so much more yeah i love it like i, I love talking about seo and like geek out when there's like a few people because they kind of understand what you're doing but to like most people, like SEO is like a dinosaur like market. <laughs> yeah. it's like it's, no one yeah. does it. I've been and to loads of conferences, telling what I do. Yeah. It's like well, you do what? Like who, <laughs> you still make money doing that? And you don't want to be talking too much about SEO because the time you're going to be ha having off from your laptop, mm. you want to be talking about other stuff. And well, it's it's uh, it's good meeting people as well, especially like here. You meet entrepreneurs and they're doing a lot of different stuff. So it's kind of you learn like a different perspective and talk about different things rather than talking about backlinks all the time or content and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's good. Sweet. What's your plans on building Oliver.com and what value you people can expect from you on Twitter and yeah. So I'm going to keep, uh, keep the newsletter. It's going to be every Tuesday. I actually used to do it on Saturday. Why Tuesday? Well, I used to do it on Saturday and then I went out a few times on a Friday and realized how hungover I was and didn't want to do the newsletter at all. So now it's turned to Tuesdays. Uh, Tuesdays just apparently a good time for people to to read like emails and well, stuff like that. While having their tacos and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Taco Tuesday. <laughs> what is it? Over here, it's uh, taco and sushi uh, for Tuesdays, which is awesome. But yeah, a lot of people on Mondays, like if people are like nine to five sort of job, they're back into work and back into doing stuff and they don't really want to read anything extra. So do it on a Tuesday. So the plan is to to keep doing that every Tuesday. Like I'm going to be adding the audit template to the website and I'm going to be doing a lot more content around like what I've been doing to to build up and like summarize, try and make make it easy to understand so other people and can get on YouTube do as well. Thing. Get on YouTube as well, like you, yeah, you'll I be think crushing it with YouTube. all the information you have and knowledge bombs you give, like in the conversation. Conversation, like mm. I think you should get on YouTube. Yeah, sure. YouTube's. Uh, I think YouTube's going to be next. Start probably start with some shorts and do stuff like that, and then escalate with YouTube. But yeah, yeah. I like I, what you're doing, like this amazing setup, and then doing the podcast with the video, and then you can just break it down to 
to different with it's like the Gary Vee and Alex Mosey kind of thing. You get that one piece of content and then you can just break it down into everything else. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. It keeps you going. Are you speaking any conferences? Well, I might be speaking at Affiliate World in Dubai, oh, fingers okay. crossed. That's going to be massive. It's going to be huge. Yeah. So that'll be like around March. So I need to uh, speak to the guys. So I'll be going to the one in December. So I'll speak to those. Uh, I'll probably have to make sure I have some more YouTube content, some some, some extra stuff yeah. uh, before then. But yeah, the, uh, the offer to maybe let me speak at this one, but I kind of want to give it a bit of time to get out there a little bit more and then get yeah, used sure. to it. Yeah, you should, bro. You it's crazy. It's crazy though when you think about it. Like even when you think like a thousand followers on like X or anything like that, you think it's like not a small amount, but it's like a huge amount of people. Yeah. It makes a massive difference. Like it's a lot of people who's like interested in that topic and speaking to. I mean, I've got like this channel has got like close to two thousand subscribers, and the amount of people I get from this channel to buying my services and asking mm. me questions is a lot. It's a lot of people. People don't realize it. Yeah. And like YouTube, like YouTube's like the perfect like mix of like social media and like organic traffic because it's, it's basically like blogging, but it's evergreen. So like, I want to focus on something which is going to bring me the most ROI and value of the, my time. Like I don't want to be spending every day like posting on social media and liking and commenting and doing all stuff like that. With like YouTube's and org organic traffic and stuff like that, it's just evergreen. It's it, it maximizes your time, so you, you have free time to go to the beach and enjoy life basically yeah the seo beach lifestyle that's it so yeah it's been a pleasure talking to you yeah it's i had a, good I, I had a lot of moments where i got a lot of information i think i have to rewatch this podcast it's one of those podcasts you know yeah you're lucky i didn't i didn't want to maybe send it to my team and just be like <laughs> just, just copy go. what james is saying well what i've been doing now as well so like uh, ChatGP is, is amazing for uh, summarizing content. So what I've been doing is just speaking uh, rather than writing and just making a massive list. Uh, it just well, it does it in Word doc and then you just import that into uh, ChatGP and you ask it to make an article and you ask it to like structure it right and it it get rid it get rid of like all the ums and ahs and it makes like the perfect the article the transcripts and stuff and yeah. you can do the transcript mm. for youtube so if it's already on there you can just transcript it so it's it's the same sort of thing mm. it's amazing yeah awesome so where can people find you i know you mentioned oliver.com your twitter anything yeah. else uh oliver.com and then twitter as well which is like james underscore s underscore oliver uh, they're the two main channels, so you'll be able to find my YouTube through that when it's live. But yeah, the main focus is at Oliver.com and X, basically. Yeah, people, go to Oliver.com. <laughs> He's sending new lists of domains and a lot of knowledge bombs. So yeah, yeah, you're lucky. I think people will get a lot of value from it. You're lucky. I didn't want to uh, talk about the whole uh, Reddit parasite SEO because it's earning quite good money. <laughs> Everyone else is going to start jumping on it now. Uh, but it is what it is. Let's, uh, let's keep sharing the knowledge and growing. Yeah. I mean, you need people to subscribe as well and just kind of like get on your That's email it. list before you give too much as well. You need to be careful with that. Yeah. Yeah. So sign up for the email list. <laughs> sign up for the email <laughs> list for free. That's it. Doesn't um, cost a penny. Yeah. Thanks, James. Cheers, mate. It's good. Yes. Thanks for having me. See, see you next time. Maybe we'll do one more. December. <laughs> <laughs> All right.